Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Running Things Considered. And me and Zane are coming off of maybe one of the best nights of our life. We are opening a new venture in our careers. And what is what is that thing we're doing, Zane? Track and field announcing specifically at Georgia Tech home meets. Specifically at Georgia Tech home meets, okay? Yes. So, Zane, let, let, what happened? Well, see, because I generally have a lot of energy and I'm a student of the sport and I'm just an all-around likable guy, Georgia Tech Athletics messaged me and said, hey, would you be willing to announce the track meet? They asked us to announce. I was really worried. I was basically worried because I've never, I've never, I don't really hear anything that people say during the track meet. So I was like worried that I was going to over announce or anything. So I asked Avery to come be my co-announcer. Unpaid, my intern. Unpaid, unpaid, yes. unpaid intern. intern. Um, and it seemed to work out. Literally when I got there, Zane, you were like freaking out, running around like, where have you been? <laughs> Again, you had papers, you had research, you had like the- I did write and Like the division two, like qualifying, time, like like you had all this stuff, right? Yes, it's because I wanted to be prepared for anything that was thrown at me. And I don't know if I told you this, Georgia Tech Athletics actually directly called me yesterday and told me I have replaced the announcer. Officially? Officially. You did a good job. Everyone Thank like, you. you know what's funny? So Zane did a good job. I, I like chatted in, you know, I, I took the easy events. I took the woman's steeple. And you took the sixth heat of the women's eight. And the sixth heat of the women's 800. <laughs> I was electric. But um, anyways, that was fun. And we will not be doing that for another 365 days. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, big venture. So, you know, it's, let's, I'm famous. Turner Sports come yeah, out. Yeah, we're just me. bragging. That was a quick brag. But, you know, why we're all here, why you clicked on this episode to begin with is because we have a very special guest, someone who I've just been annoying the best I could in the DMs. You know, he wouldn't respond. I would comment on his photos, you know, and, and I would send him, you know, like Facebook memes, you know, and, he, and I'd say, like, have you What's seen a this? Facebook meme? Just bad memes. I don't know. I'm trying to say I was annoying this guy. Yeah. Okay. Is the point I'm That's trying to your, get at. That you're known for that, though. I know. I yeah. just bug people. <laughs> just double texting, you know, FaceTime, didn't reply, like, what's up? Anyways, we got this guest on. 332. I'm not kidding. 332. 353. Right. Not kidding. 1322 in the 5K. Not kidding. NCAA champion, former Wisco. Wisco you do it. Wisconsin Badger. But I will say, were all of those times run at Eastern Kentucky? no oh because that that track was 48 okay. meters short this i see weekend. where that joke was going i was worried yeah that. i i i did hear about that that's uh that's Dude, tough that man. was such a bummer i did see <laughs> some of those results and i was like wow was they like, ran really fast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a perfect night anyways sorry so currently in boulder with the on athletics club oac just had a great youtube series with royal recovery which i did watch while i was quote unquote teaching um, I was getting paid to watch some World Recovery videos. Oliver Hoare is here with us today on what episode is this, Avery? 54. It's a guess. No idea. Yeah. It's a big guess. Good anyway, guess. I think. Good guess. <laughs> what episode um, do you think it is, Ollie? I, I'd say around around the 50s for sure. You guys yeah, are doing yeah, pretty yeah. well, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how's, uh, how's training going? I mean, what, what's up uh, next for you? I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah, no, training's going well, man. Like, um, you know, we've been getting in a solid block of training since New York. Um, and obviously since LA, for a lot of us, we're just building up to the racing season coming up. And we've got a couple of guys racing in Drake, a couple of girls racing steeple in Drake, and then uh, myself and George Beamish uh, heading to Oregon Relays this weekend for a 1500. That's going to be pretty quick, I see. So looking forward to um, yeah. hitting that up and uh, seeing how fast we can go. Is this Beamish's debut? Yeah. Uh, it is in, in 
obviously in the United States, he ran a couple of races in New Zealand um, when he was back gotcha, home, gotcha. getting his visa situation sorted. And they had their kind of their Interpol national championships and stuff. But, uh, you know, he's been getting in some good training and uh, I'm excited for him because I know he's been wanting to race for quite a while. And this is a great opportunity and a great race to kind of hit it out of the park in the new Haywood field. I mean, what, what a better yeah, place to start your debut. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I did watch over the weekend because I had nothing to do. My girlfriend was not hanging out with me and I watched some of the, uh, the Australian track championships and I got to watch mm. that 1500 with Nick Swain. And what's that? What's the guy's name who won? Edwards. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Did you yeah. see that? That was insane. Sheesh. That was insane. Yeah. Pretty, inc- pretty incredible stuff. I think that's one of the greatest 1500 meter races at a Olympic trials in probably known time in yeah. Australia. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have that depth in australia right now that's kind of insane it's, it's almost uh unmatched at this point and uh the kids been going from strength to strength and being a guy that runs 330 is uh is no joke so um he's you know yeah. did a fantastic job i got to talk to him a little bit after the race and uh he's just excited about it and nice. i think he's got a big future ahead of him for sure how old is that how old is he he's, he's 23 so he's uh he's just had a oh, big okay. Oh, state of injury and just dealing with a lot of shit. Um, sure. I think and uh, yeah, he's just, he just had a, a tough run of it. Like if 2020 Olympics went ahead, he wouldn't even be in consideration. Now he's been able to build up that training and that, you know, that kind of presence to, to get there and to, wow. to, to run off that. Yeah. It's just an incredible story. And um, I'm excited for him. How does the, uh, I guess the selection process work for you? Cause obviously you weren't there and that was the trials. Mm. Um yeah. So in the, in Australia right now, obviously the, there's not really, COVID doesn't really exist, which is a nice thing. Um, they've done such a good deal, a good, good job, sorry, with, with quarantining that place. Um, I mean, being yeah, in both yeah. countries is, uh, is tough when you got moving back and forth, but you have to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. You can't leave the hotel. Um, you can't do anything. So uh... for me, going back to Australia and being stuck in a hotel for two weeks, competing against guys like that, you're not going to do yourself any favors. Um, and I had obviously that race in New gotcha. York. I had some races coming up that are important. And obviously my whole setup and my whole life is here now in Boulder, Colorado. So I was able to get exemption due to the pandemic and due to the conditions of quarantining. Um, okay. But now with selection process, I'm in a different position. I've actually put myself in a harder position because um, I have to qualify a harder way, which is obviously run fast times, get ranking up high, get points higher than the rest of the Australians trying to go for that second and third spot. And then they will select the team in July. So for me and Dathan right now, like our plan is, I mean, we ran 332 low um, in New York, which is, which is great, um, which really puts me in a really, really nice <laughs> yep. spot. And then from now on, it's just about having fun with it, you know, racing in Oregon, hopefully one other fast race. Um, and then down the road, there'd be Mount Sack maybe, and then some Diamond Leagues. Um, those races were really helping my selection yeah, process. Yeah. So um, that's like just the whole plan. Racking really. up points. Yeah. yeah, racking up points, nice, um, nice. winning races, running fast. I mean, like when you break an Australian record indoors, it helps. <laughs> and then obviously running outdoors, yeah, you know, yeah. I want to I wanna kind of the, uh, the run faster. So yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm, I'm racing. taking into account like – oh, sorry. Keep going. No, no, you go, go, go. I was going to say, are they like taking into account? Cause I know that the world athletics looks at meets and ranks them. Like, I don't know if it's silver, like silver gold, gold platinum. Yeah. Is that what you, yeah. Is that what you're yeah. yeah. So that, that was the thing. Yeah. So the New York race was a continental gold race. Um, you know, when you beat someone like Jake Whiteman who's a 329, 1500 meter guy 
probably yeah. up there to medal at the Olympic Games. It helps your ranking and your points. So um, for me, like obviously Oregon Relays is another continental gold race, which is awesome. Um, and then obviously from then on, it's just getting into those higher tier races, uh, finishing well, running fast, um, just keeping relevant. Um, because right now Australia can pick three guys that could probably make the final at the Olympics. Um, when you have a 330 guy, a 333 yeah. guy who's raw, and then a 332 guy that can run indoors. So it's an exciting time for us. And um, that's just the plan for me is to, to keep pushing and, and to keep running fast times and, and win races. And that, for me, is going to help with my selection process in July. Easy sure. as that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready for the speed round? You are the third member of the uh, On Athletics Club to join us here on Running. That's right. We're, we're missing uh, on the men's side, just Jordy. Just Jordy. Yeah, Carlos was just our Jordy. first guest. He was our first I want to listen to that episode. I wonder how, like, you know, because having a, it's not, it's not. He, he's he's got a quick wit. He's yeah, a quick he does. So I, he does. We asked, yeah. I think somebody said that Carlos should run for president at some point. I think I heard yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I think Cooper a, said that. Lizzie Cooper said that. Yeah, he's got the, he's got the charisma of a politician, that's for sure. He loves to, <laughs> he definitely <laughs> plays the middle ground. He looks after everyone. He's got the big smile. Yeah, he's definitely, uh, yeah. He got, yeah, I can see him doing that for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. No, he knows everyone, man. He knows everyone. It's, it's true. It's honestly kind of like ridiculous. Villarreal 2034. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just made that. It's voting for Mexican Mexican president. Yes. I, yeah, you have sure. to be 34. Oh, I actually have no idea how that would probably work. I voted in the Mexican election. <laughs> yeah, you did. Time. No. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's kind of uh, one last tangent. I think it's kind of funny, like, like knowing, uh, I've known, um, Carlos forever. And like, whenever I'd go to a meet and I didn't know anybody, I would just like attach it, like a social rope to him and just hang next to him and just like <laughs> do all the work for me. I'd meet everybody. Did he go to high school yeah. in the States? Yeah. He went to, he went to Arizona. Yeah. Oh, some, he was in some school in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Did you guys run the dream mile together? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I forgot about that. Speed round. Sorry. Speed round. All right. Are you ready? Whatever the first thing comes yeah, to I mind. Am, just I am ready. The first few are not that hard. The first few are pretty easy. Give me. We're going to get into it. All right. Yes, all right. we'll get into it. All right. Three, two, one. Madison or Boulder? Oh, Boulder. What's the best video game ever? Ever. Skyrim. Skyrim. Okay. Nice. Rank Morgan on a scale from one to 10. Oh, 12. <laughs> 12. Good. I'm glad he'll he'll hear that. He'll he's, hear my, he's my homie, man. He's my homie. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the worst teammate you've ever had? Uh Ryan Namath. <laughs> uh what's the best place to run? Uh Big Skyloop. Hold on. Okay. What is the world record for the longest breath hold? Oh, like eight minutes, maybe? It's ten I don't minutes. Know. 12 seconds. That was pretty close. That was oh, close. geez. That's I know, ridiculous. I that. Like, you can die. It's called hypoxia. I didn't learn that today. Hypoxia? Yeah. You That's can a just big word. It's hurt my brain. Yeah. Um, what is the most expensive Pokemon card ever sold? Uh, is it like a Me Too one? Me Too. Oh, a YouTube. Platinum YouTube. edition. Like, what? You got Me Too? You Too, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You Too, yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much was the, the value at US dollars, do you think? Oh, if it's like a limited edition first one, maybe like five thousand. Oh, oh two hundred and twenty-four thousand dollars for a Pokemon. Holy crap, that's ridiculous. I think there was like that Jake Paul thing that was going. Yeah, around. yeah, it, it was, was like Logan. I don't know the difference between those two. I know they're, <laughs> they're pretty much the same. Yeah, <laughs> that's hurting my feelings. Okay, I'm a big, I'm a big Jake we Paul talk, and a Logan Paul. <laughs> we talked right? about this like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, half 
Tights or split shorts? I almost said that backwards. Ooh, half tights right now. Yes. Change. Uh, every, uh, who, I don't know who brought this. Oh, we already made it weird. Uh, okay. Best American fast food. We'll skip the other one. Best American fast food? Uh, Chick-fil-A. Do you guys have Chick-fil-A? Oh, you do have no. one right outside of Boulder. There is Oh, we one. do have one. Yeah, we do have one. I thought you meant in Australia. No. But yes, in, in America, there's a lot of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's here. It was here in the South. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember Henry Dwyer, who used to run for Tenman, we drove from Boulder to Georgia, and we stopped and took <laughs> out. Chick-fil-A? Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. yeah. Are volcanoes good or bad? Uh, good. All right. Good for, All right. Good for the planet? Sure. I don't Reset. know. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're asking you. I don't know. Reset. Reset. <laughs> good for vegetation. You know? I like it. I, I mean, like not it. good for us, but good for the planet. You know, Bring back the we, we don't matter that much. We, we don't matter that much. If we didn't have volcanoes, we wouldn't have Iceland or Hawaii. That's yeah. true. Or mountains. Oh, come on, man. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what is your favorite apple? Uh, Pink Lady. Pink Lady. Nice, nice. And finally, what do you look for in a woman besides being blonde, a track athlete, and having a lot of followers on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> um... She has to be able to eat fast food. Like, they're not, not picky eating. Like, just, okay, no picky like, eating. Just getting yeah. after it. Like, cra- if you're craving something and I want to go get it, like, if you complain about it, I'll be like, that's, a, that's an offer. Yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, Spontaneous. I like... <laughs> would. Oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Yep. All right. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. So, if, you know, any ladies are listening and you want Chick fil A, there's not that many options. It shouldn't take very long to order. There's nuggets, sandwiches. No. And no. Low ingredients, high turnover. That's the business. Chick fil A nuggets are pretty good. Waffle fries are pretty good. The sweet and spicy sriracha sauce, though, is absolutely bomb. I get agree. that with get that with very, ranch, man. Honestly, as good as Chick fil A sauce. Very so slept good. on. Very slept yeah, on. Yeah, very slept on. Yeah. Underrated. So I'm a, here's what I've been doing. Okay. okay. Let, let I'll, us know. I'll talk about it. Let us know. Let me man. just briefly say. So I like, I'm a big buffalo sauce guy. I eat hot sauce with every single one of my. He, I have hot sauce right there. I had it tonight. Anyways, I eat, I dip the, the nuggets in buffalo sauce and mm-hmm. the fries in Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't mix. You don't mix? Mm-hmm. See, you're missing out on a big, I don't know. Multitude of flavors. The multi- yeah. That's the word I was looking for. That's right. Multitude yeah. of flavors. What, what was the Wait, word? Do you like, you are you a Cholula guy or Frank's guy? Uh, well, I, I mean, here's, that's actually, I was, here, I was currently, I actually was having this conversation earlier with the kid that I babysit because that's my, like, my best friend at this point during COVID. Um, there's a, there's a Texas Pete that I couldn't find. I used to eat it when I ran at UGA years and years ago before I transferred. It was Texas Pete hotter than hot sauce. It's the best hot sauce in the world. Really? Really? And I can't find it anywhere. It's super, super spicy. I'm a big, yeah. I, I'm a spice. Lord. I love hot sauce as well. Like I'm a big, I'm a big hot sauce guy. Um, but tonight I had the rock and roll sauce with my most. That's a pretty good grill. sauce. It's very good. That's, That's good pretty, sauce. I've heard that. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, well, I can talk about hot sauces all day, but we should probably go and <laughs> That's true, that's true. Okay, so for this this next part for the listeners who are new, who are Ollie Horror fans and click that RTC podcast. <laughs> Did you say the number? Thousands of them. The, that's right, M- millions. We actually- Millions of them. Well, we just remembered something. We're going to have to put a pause. So we were forgetting to plug the number for this podcast for the last eight episodes. Yeah, so one of the, my favorite parts about this podcast is at the end of each episode, we answer a user, a listener, a fan, a fan's question that they call in, they text, they do whatever to the, to the podcast. We forgetting to plug it. So we haven't been getting as many, but the number is 646-780-9218. 
call in with any scenarios and just mix it up, you know, dating advice, dating advice, um, hot sauce recommendations, um, real estate advice, real estate advice. Yeah, that's right. Car advice. Me and Zane know a lot about that. God. Um, yeah, that's an inside joke. We don't, don't ask us. Um, so (laughs) thank you so much. Six, four, six, seven, eight, zero, nine, two, one, eight. It's also in the description. So Going back to Ollie, the next, the next part of this is we're going to have five trivia questions that somehow do with Ollie's life. You'll kind of get the gist of it as we go. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. Ollie, you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Okay. Who is the last runner to win two NCAA 1,500-meter championships in a row? What's it? Uh... It's... Uh... Not Matt Cleet. Is it Matt Cleet? No. Oh. I think it is Matt Cleet. There it is. It is Matt yeah. Cleet. Matt I actually Cleet. didn't yeah. even. I, I was thinking of, of Kerr, but Kerr won two mile titles back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. didn't get the he didn't get the mile back to back fifteen because I ruined that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it was Matt Cleet. I remember you almost said yeah. that even though you won that race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, kind of why I asked that is. Um, Cause I know for a lot of half, like you've been the favorite, you've taken down the favorite. And one thing I noticed about the 1500 meter, especially mm. is the, is like repeat champions almost never happen. Cause I said, other than Mac fleet, it was 1997, 1998 with Seneca Lasseter. And you know, mm. who knows? Anyways, you say, who knows Seneca Lasseter? He was like one of the greatest American distance runners ever. Well, <laughs> I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly who he is. <laughs> and you know, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now I now I feel like uh you know inadequate to you, Zane. You are. But keep going. Thank you so much. All right. All right. So, I kind of want to ask. It's kind of like like what's the you know be, being in the fifteen, lining up to the final, trying to defend your title, even mile indoor. Jordy also was kind of in the same boat. You know, mm. he took he took you down. Um, yeah, he did. He enjoys that. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um. Okay. What's kind of like the uh, I guess like like the mentality going into races like that. Um, just cause you know, it's, especially the 15, you'd never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, it's, it's crazy because I think with the 15, there's just so much that can go wrong and so much that can go right for someone in that kind of race, because not many people are going to take it out hard. Um, a lot of people get under pressure and I mean, you can train well for the 15 racing, but, um, time trialing as well, it's a completely different beast. So, sure. I mean, going into, um, I know for me, um, having that target on your back, it's it's kind of tough in a 1500 because you've got to be in the right position at the right time to make the right kick in NCAA racing because there's just so much tactical, um, you know, kind of going through it. And I know, like, sure. for example, like Matt Sensuous is a great example of like how, because he got beaten um, in a few NCAA title races where he could have won. But I think because he's such a great racer, he learns from that sort of stuff and then it progresses him and it makes him a better racer. And that's why one of his career in general for 1500 racing is one of the best to watch. Um, particularly at that Rio race and that last 400, that's just all NCAA racing, you know? Um, but then you have guys like, I mean, the goose, you had goose who won that year, my senior year, well, not my senior, my junior year, cause my senior year I lost to COVID. Um, but my junior year, uh, he raced that perfectly. And just like, he was just ticking it off. He was just, he was able to kind of, he knew where he needed to be and knew what, sure. what he wanted to do. And I think with, NCAA racing, you don't always get that. And it's really, really hard because it's so competitive. I mean, these days, uh, if you look at the NCAA right now, like you have Waleed Suleiman from Ole Miss running 336.5. You have a, the guy from Alabama, 
yeah. um, who ran 336 flat Solo. by flat. himself yeah. pretty much. He yeah. won by 10 seconds, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, which is nuts. And then you have, you know, Cole Holker, who you can't rule out, 338. And then you have all these other guys, like Nagusa has to run a time. Like, there's going to be so much going on. It's going to be amazing this year, in particular, watching that 1,500-meter race because um, there's so many factors that come into it, whereas with the 5K, I notice, and a 10K, you have more time to figure out where you are, um, to, to kind of know where the seal is, and you can kind of pull away. Um, right. You know, if you're feeling good, you can pull away the last K800, 400. It's kind of hard to to. It's it's still hard to kind of back to back win 5Ks, but 1500s, I feel like there's just so much jumping back and forth because people sure. are just people can be there. You know, like the, the races aren't always running in 336, 337. They can be running 345, um, 342, and just the back and forth, you just if you can kick, like everyone in the NCAA in that final this year will be able to run a 52 sure. second last quarter if it's slow enough. Yeah. So because you just got to be in the right place, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know especially in like the uh, the 1500, you know, you'll – because you ran what, like 337 that year? Uh, 337, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 337 that year. And like, you know, Brian Clay <laughs> – Yeah. The times were crazy from that meeting going in. And then you have Justin Kiprotish. Did he get second behind you? uh he oh, won cool. he beat me in big tens he beat me in big tens yeah, and then it, it, he got second at he almost won it at uh at austin um okay and that, i remember because because yeah. i know like him like if you look at his prs it's like i think he's 339 yeah was well, yeah. he 339 i think he I was i think he, he was able to get it down i think he was um, like 342 yeah. yeah 342 but he was able to get a 339 somewhere and i can't remember where it was i think it might have been the heat or an original mace but yeah, he never like I spoke to him and at Michigan State, they didn't really go to fast races. They just went to make sure he got the regional time and then racing, racing, racing. Yeah. And that was a good factor for Justin because yeah. Yeah. he was good at racing, right? Whereas when you go to a Brian Clay race, um, you have a pace that everyone strings out, and then it's more of a race that you see in a pro situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you go into a diamond league, you're getting tossed into the fire, um, running ridiculous times. So for him, he was able to learn how to race and, and where to kind of pull the trigger um, to know where his athletes that he needs to compete against were. And I think that helped him quite a bit. And he almost won a title from it. And Yared Nagus was also the same. I mean, he was in that Brian Cray race. He ran 339, 338. And then he wins the NCAA title later on, I think. Mm-hmm. Racing in the NCAA is such a, like a skilled event. I think it's much more skilled than people realize because um, – and that's one thing I look at from past 1,500-meter winners like Josh Kerr um matt sensuitz uh andrew weeding like a lot of these guys they just they know how to race and yeah you can run 332 you're on 330 but if you know how to race that's how you win titles and that's how you be remembered because i mean people will go wow that kid ran 350 in the mile ready so kibbutzir but if kibbutzir didn't know how to race which he does know how to race he's a fantastic racer but like then someone else can come along and win these NCAA sure. titles and that sure. stays in the record books you know so and, and it's like, interesting yeah yeah and, and and i feel like it's like so obvious you know like you'll you'll see people with yeah, I mean, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there's like a, a big list of yeah. people who run like top ten times on a lot of times yeah. the 800. But they can they're just like only they can only do it one way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like respect for them, but you know it's yeah, it's just because they're not used to that racing. And I think that's the one thing like I noticed that I was impressed about Cole Hawker was him. I mean that 50, that 50 mile was pretty much a time trial, right, for the Oregon boys. Insane race, but pretty much a time trial. Oregon was in charge; they had control of the race. Yeah. Whereas with Cole Hawker. When you go into an NCAA mile um, prelims and finals, that's where you think, okay, this kid's gonna get tested, and he did get tested, and he came away with it and fantastically. And his closing two hundred, I mean, he shows that he yes, yeah. in the three K yeah. as well, and, in the and yeah, and Tier and Hawker, like they were in control, like they yeah. controlled that three K. No one challenged them, and that's the one thing that I was 
a little bit upset about because I was like, okay, you want to challenge these guys. You want to give them a test because if you if they panic, if they make a mistake, you could potentially right, beat right. them. So, but they looked like they had so much control and they're just classy racers and hats off to them because they had an incredible indoor season. It was awesome to see. And Charlie Hunter as well, fellow Aussie yeah. guy running the 800 that was an insane race but yeah that was I think one that, of the craziest yeah. races I've ever seen. And, and that's also like you know i i feel like uh charlie almost like blew that a little bit it was close yeah, yeah. He, he ran it the hardest way possible yeah he ran it the hardest way possible <laughs> he, he, uh, but yeah, he yeah it's just awesome like racing right now i think if if college athletes are able to get those time trial races where they run fast and those races where they you know more tactical more Dangerous. learning that skill yeah. you're going to be the best possible race with ncaa's for sure yeah I remember years ago, there was this guy named Zach Perkins from Air Force <coughs> Academy whose PB was 345, <coughs> second at NCAAs three times. And that, that's kind of what I was trying to leave Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Sam Tanner. Um, yeah. Sam out. also, like, brilliant racer. Um, yeah, sure. And, like, he ran an incredible race in New York. I mean, 334 in college is insane. But I think for him, it's just such a different beast in NCAA. Like, you're, you're jumping into a race with pros. He, he was um, yeah. I think he realized that, like, he thought, oh, wow, I've ran through day four. This college NCAA should be a cakewalk. It's never a cakewalk, man. It's a yeah. complete dumpster fire of, of, of competition. <laughs> and I think Sam Tanner was, for my, in my opinion, is one of the favorites for the 1500 meters in outdoors only because the best learning experience you can get is getting your ass whooped in, yeah. a, in a race like that and anything like that because you'll learn so much from it. For you'll sure. come back with a big fire in him. Yeah, he definitely, so I think he definitely he'll, made he'll a be lot dangerous. Of I think he'll. Yeah, learn. he'll be dangerous. I think if he learns from it, he'll be he'll be up there with Cole and and will lead. And I mean, it's going to be insane. I think it's going to be awesome be, to watch those guys great. come through and progress this year. Well, on to the next question. I'm glad we got. Yeah, that kind of got into a uh, tangent. Sorry, boys. No, 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 no. no. That's <laughs> the whole idea. Yeah, no, that's the whole idea. That's literally the whole idea. That's good. Um, it's I wrote this. It says. This native Australian food is made from leftover brewer's yeast extracts with various vegetable and spice additives. What is it? Vegemite. That's right. So what I learned in all I really paid attention to in the rural recovery thing was vegemite uh, yeah. marmite. And Dude, I've been getting DMs from that about people saying marmite forever and screw vegemite. <laughs> and like, I've been getting harassed about that stuff. I got to like reel it in, man. Vegemite forever, just- man. So, yeah. so I've had actually had Vegemite before. Really? Yeah. I was in high school. The, the people that lived right across the street from Piedmont Park, I don't know. They loved it. I think. I mean, I my palate the back then was a lot more. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. how it's it changed. It hasn't Zane. grown much. I started eating onions last year, which is big for me. You had a tomato. That's huge step time. forward. I had a tomato for the first time. That's true. <laughs> huge step forward. Yeah, that's huge. Congrats, um, man. <laughs> but Vegemite was not for me. But it, are, yeah. is there a difference between Marmite and Vegemite, or is it the same? Uh, yeah, there's two. There's two key distinctive differences. Number one, Marmite is garbage. Number two, <laughs> Marmite is garbage. Dude, Marmite is garbage. Vegemite is like, it's like for you guys, not to be um, offensive, but that's like the american flag and the bald eagle like that's our like that's how big proud like i'm i'm proud of vegemite like i'm i it's it's close to my heart because i always ate it as a kid growing up on the coast in australia before i surf my mom would make vegemite toast with thick sourdough toast yeah spread it with butter and then you put a thin layer of vegemite it's not like peanut butter you spread it you rationalize it and then she used to put uh, melted cheese and avocado best thing 
it's just it all the flavors kind of just it really helps with that kind of i know that yesy saltiness yeah. that people kind of struggle with because when i was in college at whisker like i had people that wanted to try the vegemite and they were eating it like with the, with the spoon and like right. i can do that but if you're not used to it you're gonna hate it straight away like you've got to thinly spread it with butter and just just rash just enjoy it take it take it like it's, it's stepping stones you know um it's like when you drink your first beer you know you're not gonna love it but then when you get to our age we're like fuck i can't wait to have a beer yeah it's the gradual build up and i think people jump into it too early and uh i mean geordie would obviously defend marmite because he thinks he's better which is not he's wrong he's just so wrong but the great thing about it is we're moving into a house here in, in uh in boulder and uh morgan mcdonald who i've known since about 10 years old so uh, he's a big Vegemite lover too, so we're gonna bombard Geordie with a Vegemite. There's no Mama in our house. He's gonna be, he's gonna have to eat Vegemite or just eat Mama outside. I think outside. you should be sponsored by Vegemite. Yeah. I think that you bad. are. I think I should too. I, think I will I should too because there's so many things you can do with Vegemite. It's not just toast. You can do so many <laughs> things with it. I think you. Should, I mean, I think you should reach out to the brand management. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah, hopefully, if I if I run well. This year, then I'll I'll look at a uh, brand ambassador deal. They know where to find me. I will they know, say they know where to find me. You're fast enough to get one box of free veggies. <laughs> yeah, all right. I would I would be happy with that. I'd be so content. I'd post it every day. I'd be content <laughs> with that. Get like swagged out, you know. Get like a yeah. t-shirt, dude. That would actually yeah. be Pfizer. my socks. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I'm getting yeah. it. All right. Yeah. Well, this has now become a Vegemite podcast. Vegemite podcast. <laughs> Glad to hear that. <laughs> so uh, another part of that is it's, it's an Australian food. And kind of what I want to um, ask about is, you know, being in Australia in high school, um, kind of what was your expectations? Just like, you know, I mean, the U.S. isn't that far. We're not, like, you know, speak the same language, but like, that sounds like a pretty big jump, you know, to commit. Yeah. Like, what's like the, the mentality over there of like, you know, leaving and running in the NCAA? Um, it's definitely grown since I left. I think I noticed, for me, I think the three, the big three, I call them the big three, um, that kind of, I think, started this whole, because you see more and more Australians now in the NCAA, and I think the yeah. big three that started it were Patrick Keenan, yep. Morgan McDonald, and Jess Hull. Um, I, I, I would include myself in it, but I came in after them, and I feel like I kind of followed that trend. Um, but when you see guys like Patrick Tina winning national cross beating Cesarek, like that's big. And Jordy Williams deal. also beating Cesarek. And Jordy Williams. Yeah. Pen realized, right. He's another guy. Um, but I know for, for me, Pat obviously stood out because that's not easy to win that. And then Tabo not easy to win. And him, Jess and Morgan, what they did for Australian culture and running, particularly in high school is that kids usually when they, they see running, they kind of think, Oh, I'll try and, you know, do a second job. And, you know, run around here or go to Melbourne because Melbourne's kind of a big hub for distance running. Um, they'll try and figure out something domestically, whereas now they're much more focused on internationally. And I think it's great because I'm excited for kids to be able to get their degree and run because it's just, it's fantastic because you don't know what's going to happen with your career. You could fall in love with something else. And then all of a sudden you have this great passion and you, you meet so many great people. And yeah. it's just such a great idea to be able to do a degree, keep doing what you love, but be able to have that kind of financial structure of, I can get a job. I can have a career. I have good connections. Like I've got good networking. Um, and for me, that was when I was, I was predominantly a swimmer in high school. Okay. Um, I swam heavily and I was, a, I was a surf lifesaver as well. I did a lot of surfing and nice. I kind of fell into running through cross training and then through Trinity grammar school, which is where I went to in Sydney, my running and track kind of blossomed from there. And that's when I got intention from, from Wisconsin. 
And Morgan kind of helped with that. And then I went on my all my visits around the great United States of America. And obviously making that decision was hard because my family were initially like, no, we don't want you going over there because, you know, like it's far away from home and it's, it's just a tough thing. But, you know, I was up to the challenge and it was something that like I thought would be a good stepping stone if I wanted to, if I had the potential or if I was lucky enough to get to that pro stage. So, yeah. um, and Wisconsin, you know, it was just... Was a, it was a great, great school. I was very, very fortunate and very, very and lucky an- to go there. Another thing I want to talk about is I know, like, you know, people from other countries, they have their, like, idea of, like, what, like, the, America is and, like, the college. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know, like, I remember, like, talking to Waleed Suleiman, who's from oh, – Jordan. Shoot. Jordan, yeah. He's, he's from yeah. Jordan. He thinks, you know, like, he went to high school and he thought it would be just, like, the jocks were here, like, yeah. the cheerleaders yeah. were here, you know, like that. Um, <laughs> well, my friend, I mean, who ended up making Rio – uh, an 800 Charles Grethen who I ran with at UGA when he, yeah. he came from um, Luxembourg and he thought he was going to the University of Texas but he went to Texas State literally that day he got there he was like oh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> made a huge mistake yeah. um, but awesome. did, did you have any expectations or you know <laughs> oh I definitely had the uh, like the problem is there's too much too many movies too many references like I 20, 21 yeah, Jump yeah. Street 22 yeah. Jump like those, that sort of stuff it doesn't help um blue mountain high blue mountain state whatever that, that show is state, very familiar. yeah that's like when you watch hate. that sort of stuff yeah and i when i come home and have a have a pint with with the boys and we've gone for a surf or we do something and we hanging out and they, they ask me those questions they're like you know does everyone in america carry an ar-15 rifle on their back um yeah. <laughs> you know they, they, those typical stereotypical questions and it's funny because honestly that there is difference in culture which is good because i think i noticed you do get those, you know, those college parties that are fun. You get those little instances where you see it, but it's not as intense as obviously the movies where there's everything yeah. gone wrong and there's not things like flying everywhere. I, I also yeah. will not say like it State, no. would have been more intense if you weren't training to be an NCAA champion. Exactly. I think there's so levels. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. get to do much. Like, I obviously had fun and was able to do a few things, but like, I'm not to the extent of normal college kids at all. And they were asking me all these questions and they want to know what college was like. But honestly, it was just the the one thing that i kind of described to them was the community base of like when you go to a college yeah you kind of everyone's in that kind of community-based family and everyone loves their college they love their sports they love what they do um and they and they put they they sacrifice a lot for it like a lot of people in australia don't leave home my brother yeah. was at home with my parents the entire time through his degree um like in america it's it's a given that you leave and you go and rent and you live on your own financially and you learn to be an adult. And I think that's the one thing that I value very highly. And I always explain to Australians back home is like, it's pretty wild because yeah, you see these people on TV that seem like, you know, it seem a bit, bit more like morons, but they're not the representation of the people that I meet in college. Cause those people are just like these hungry, excited people that want to get after it and just love everybody. I think that was the awesome thing about it. And Wisco for me was definitely like that. And even going to other campuses and, and racing and training, yeah. everyone was like that. It's kind of hard because, when you raise people and you're like, God, I wish I could hate this person, but I can't because they're just so nice and they're I know. just really I know. good that people. Is, that is the problem. It's just everywhere it. all the time. And it's, it's, that's a good problem like to have. That. At yeah. the end of races, when you're like hugging the people, it's kind of yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. Like high five and people. Or it's like yeah. if you win a race, you're like, good job, guys. Good job. I, know. Guys. I always think yeah. funny with racing. Like in football, they're like, dude, I'm going to murder you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Running, they're like, yeah, that was great. Race. It's like, and it's yeah, like, it's great race, man. Yeah. And it's like, whenever like, whenever we like try to start beef, it's just it never works. It never works. It well, never I works. don't try to start beef. What were your I high do. school PBs? Work. 
Uh, my high school PB. So <laughs> that's the thing. Um, so I ran 340, 45, 46 for 1500. Okay. Um, 809 for the 3K. Pretty good. And I won under 20s cross country in Australia. Yeah. So that was kind of my resume. Yeah. Um, but then Morgan, obviously knowing the Australian system was like to the coaches in Wisco and obviously other coaches knew that saying like this kid can be good. He's got potential. Um, my background was obviously very, very shallow with, uh, with track running in particular. I did, I did a lot of cross country as cross training for my swimming, but I didn't stop swimming until probably um, I moved over to America. So I was wow. still oh, heavily yeah. swimming, doing, you know, swimming at the Australian champs and stuff like that. Um, well, at juniors, I do but, think that's um, a good thing a lot for coaches. Yeah, that you're not overtraining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a different thing, and they saw with me like out. that track was definitely the avenue to go down to, especially with my 1500. And I think once I got to Wisco, it was just great place to be able to learn and grow and take that step forward into my running career, which had just started. So, yeah. Well. On to the next. On to the next. Um, I copy and pasted this directly from a V. <coughs> so um, <laughs> it's in a completely different font. It's. I <laughs> actually tried to. I'm colorblind, so I I could hardly tell it was in a different color. <laughs> tried to get it back to a normal color. You got I, you got through the first word. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't, you got yeah. through the first word. I was like, I don't care. Right. Right. It's just us reading it. <laughs> um, anyways, it says this foam combines rigid stable sections with more flexible foam elements along the same molecular chains. This fusion offers benefits that were previously only possible with two separate materials, combining all ingredients for the ultimate run in a single super foam. What am I referring to? Do you, do you know? It's about I'd like to say it's about my. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you, you use this technology, I would assume, on a daily basis. I got no idea. Um, I was gonna say helium, which is that's the exactly foam. right. You are. <laughs> that's okay, that's good because I was gonna say like that's the foam that I know is in the shoes that I'm using. Yeah. And I was like, is there like a mattress or something that you guys know? About? <laughs> a mattress. Yes. Yeah, so like, oh, okay. Yes, we wanted to thank our sponsor, Casper Mattress. For <laughs> Still haven't reimbursed me for the freaking mattress I bought a year ago. Yeah. Even though I've called you out on the podcast four times. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you run at the OAC, the On Athletic Club. Um, why, uh, why On? And I know that you have a great relationship with Nathan Ritzenhine, and it seems like you have a, a good relationship with the rest of the team. What was kind of your thinking going into it and choosing a group? Yeah, so it was weird because I know, for me, I had a, it was a bit of a difficult time because I had indoor nationals in Albuquerque. And the day after the mile, and DMR, I was heading straight back to Australia for the Australian trials in 2020. And then it got canceled. COVID kind of spread around. And my coach, Mick Byrne, uh, head coach at Wisco, kind of came up to me and said, you're going to make a decision in 15 minutes. You're either going home and maybe not coming back or you're staying here and you're missing the trials. So for me, I, I, I was okay about, like, I know people were upset and emotional and, and with indoors. And I, at that point, I was okay. I was like, okay, well, out of my control, but this was in my control. Uh, that call with my family, because I obviously don't see my family much, telling them I wasn't coming home, wasn't coming up for the trials, telling them that I probably wouldn't see them before the COVID pandemic was very, very hard. Um, yeah. And that for me was like, wow, I don't know what to do next. I'd never redshirted, so I've only competed collegially for three and a half years. And I went to talk to Mick and I said, look, I'd love to stay for another year. 
do you think that's a better thing? Like, do you know what's going to happen with COVID? And you said, I'll look into it. And then I, the AD, who's now retired, um, kind of came up to Mick and said, we, we're not keeping Ollie. We're getting rid of him. Um, we can't keep him. He's too expensive. International wow. student fees. Because wow. um, I was going to apply for a master's. They said no, which was a, it's been a gut-wrenching thing. But I, I definitely understand because they obviously, you know, they were looking at trying to save programs. And I think paying for someone's tuition, which is very expensive, is going to affect that. Um, obviously, I... For everything I did with the school, I thought I was going to get some sort Absolutely. of leniency. Yeah, but I think that you, I, I, I would. Assume I mean, I yeah, nine, a lot of nine to the team. Yeah, nine-time Big Ten champ and eleven-time All-American wasn't enough for them. But I, I definitely understood the situation that they were in, and, and it's, it's a hard decision to make anyway. So Mick called, called me, and he said, "Mate, you're going to have to go pro." So um, spoke to a few agents. I signed with Ray Flynn, who I really liked. I had a good relationship with him since my sophomore year through Milrose and winning NCAAs. Uh, and then we looked at, at contracts and groups. And the cool thing about that was there wasn't many options, but because of my, my resume, um, what I offered, I think I was still kind of important sure. <laughs> because I always worry as a foreigner, I'm thinking I'm not going to get anything. You know, Americans are going to get the top deals because as they should, um, you know, American brands, American companies, American groups in America should be getting American athletes in there. Uh, but I spoke to a few groups, had a few contracts, and then on came up. And Andrew Weeding at the time was working for them, and he was a cool dude. And I always wanted to have a conversation with him. He talked to me before indoors, just just to kind of catch up and um, talk about you know having sex with kangaroos and things like that. Because <laughs> um, he had been to Australia and he's raced there and he loves it. Uh, but it was it was great talking to them. I had no idea what on was. Didn't know anything about on. I thought, oh, this is just some brand that maybe maybe it's like Lululemon or I didn't know much about it. And uh, and then when I heard what they were building, the ambitions that they had, um, signing Joe Klecker, um, trying to sign Alicia Monson, who was a teammate of mine, um, trying to sign Carlos, trying to sign Jordy Beamish. I'm thinking, well, wow, they're going for everyone yeah. uh, in that top top thing, and also a very young team trying to build something up. And when things started to become reality, they started to have these funds and they started to have this dream. And I. Steve DeCoca joins from Brooks to on and was a great guy and talked to me down. He had a lot of experience with, with developing groups. And he said, we're looking at this coach. Um, we've signed Joe Klecker, which was the, which is like, for me, it was like, wow, I'd love to train with that guy. He's a, the, the horror stories I hear from them, him training was like, if I can train with this guy, <laughs> You'll be I can good. make it, I can make it in the, in the, in the world. Yeah. Um, he said, there's this guy called Dathan Ritzenheim who we're looking at this coach. Uh, he's going to contact you. He's going to phone call with you. And, at this point, I had no idea who Dathan was um, as an Australian, not knowing anything. Know yeah, <laughs> not knowing anything because I didn't go through high school in America. That's you know, true. I, I kind of didn't pay attention to it. I was very much into European running and Australian runners. I had didn't know much. I knew Galen Rump. That's pretty much about it. You know, Andrew right. Weeding, obviously, um, uh, just from talking with him. But on anyway, I had two or three. I had three Michigan roommates, and they were kind of you know asking me questions, and they said, "Okay, so how's it going with?" for the program i said oh i'm having a phone call with dathan rittenheim and their faces oh. dropped and they lost <laughs> their shit and they were like oh my god that's incredible blah, blah, blah. and i'm like i'm like oh who is Dathan Rittenheim? and they literally almost slapped me across the place they're like <laughs> now you need to learn about this guy and i googled dathan and i was kind of stood back and i was like oh like man this guy his high school career is just, just scary yeah but you know three-time olympian former 5k record holder like he's yeah. been there he's been through the nop he's been through brooks um, Brooks Hansen's like he's just had such an amazing career and he's had a lot of injuries but he's overcome them and I think as a person like that 
his knowledge as a coach would be interesting. Um, The one thing that I had a problem with was this guy's obviously a distance heavy guy. Like what's he going to do with a 1500 meter foreigner kid, right? So we had a good phone call and we clicked straight away. Like we had good chemistry, um, really got on good topics. And I asked him that question. I said, hey, like I want to be a low 330, 1500 meter guy. I want to make the Olympics. I want to run the final at the Olympic Games. I want to have these big goals. Like how would you as a distance heavy guy not having much experience with the 15 coach me? And knowing Dathan just completely class act just said, well, I was a volunteer coach at Oregon and I coached, uh, you know, Matt Sensowitz when he was in Oregon. I, yeah. you know, I've, I've been around Matt um, quite a bit and I've seen his training and I've seen what a lot of guys done in the 15. I was with Mo uh, for a few years, Mo Farah, and learned how he ran a good quick 328, 1500. So he said, I, I think I have the tools that we can help you. And we had a couple more phone calls after that. And after that, just Dathan uh, kind of took my breath away with what constitutes a pro coach because you'd think that it's just you turn up to the track, go home, but Dathan's just everything, every aspect of life. He's a great mentor um, for the whole team. And we've really benefited well from his experience. And he's because he's so young, he's still with it. He still knows everyone. Yeah. You know, everyone loves him. And he's just such a great guy. Um, he's very, very unusual for a, a runner because runners are selfish self-centered selfish individuals that's a runner that's how you'd be successful that's how runners are and that's just the way it's been but delta right. dathan is such an anomaly because he's so selfless he can't like he's out sn- stop shoveling the track lane one lane two when it's pearls down a stone boulder uh, for everyone you know and coaches don't do that pro coaches are getting paid really big salaries don't do that but he yeah. does that and uh that's why I, I value him not just as a coach but as a mentor for me um being by myself um you know in boulder colorado trying to be a pro runner um and then i i after i think he was a big decision for me and then obviously getting my contract um being able to say well i can stay in the the united states i've gone to boulder and uh i signed it and then from there on it just on i started seeing on everywhere on just started just blowing up and going everywhere yes and it was not just uh here it was in australia it was in europe it was just blowing up everywhere and then all of a sudden i saw the shoes were just amazing the gear was amazing it was just high brand swiss people making these incredible shoes and i mean i can't say much now but the development of the performance shoes and the spikes what they're doing with the echo files that they've just released um and the new marathon shoe they're making it's just like they're they're, the great thing about being with a company that's just so young but so focused on kind of what they want to do and what they want to promote they take in every kind of simple advice and everything like joe Joe has a problem with a shoe, he'll tell them and they'll they'll work on it and fix it for the next version. If Alicia has a problem with a shoe, the same thing. And then they'll get all those shoes back. They want feedback for all the shoes and they take it into account, which I mean, if you're at a Nike brand, they've obviously perfected the shoe, but they're not going to care about your opinions sure. um, because they've, they've perfected it and they've got so many athletes and they don't and have to worry about it. But making a, yeah, they're making so much money from it. Whereas with On, they, they love the idea of making a shoe perfect for the runner because they know that's what's going to get them down the end of the road marketing wise is if they're building shoes that people are going to keep buying yeah. and keep being excited about, they're really doing it well. And I didn't know that shining. I really, I signed because I thought this was the best decision for me going through with going to Boulder, Colorado, never being an altitude. I thought that'd be a great step for me. Nathan was a fantastic coach training with Joe, Carlos and Jordy. I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. And then having Alicia come too. I mean, she's a good friend of mine. So for me, it was like, this is a, this is a great spot. And I'm, I'm, you know, you don't know where your journey is going to be as a pro athlete because you could switch back and forth from brands, but I'm really happy with the start. And then from there, it's just gotten better and better. And I was telling uh, Dave the other day when I was, we were long running, Joe was doing that ridiculous 20 mile run. And I was like, pro running shouldn't be this fun. Like it shouldn't. Like we, we have way too much fun. We make way too much fun of each other. 
Um, you know, we got great support from people like Roll Recovery and and other people that are making that 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 gym setup that we have. Like, um, we've got a really good setup, and I think that's why results are showing. You know, like Joe's yeah, in yeah. a six minus three three two. We have, I think, Dathan's perfected something that he's learned from the mistakes of NOP and mistakes from maybe other places he's been, and he's just perfected this kind of idea of the culture is so important and having more of a team basis than an individual collective. So yeah. well, anyway, well, long story yeah. short, that's no. how that journey kind well, of went great. through. I'm happy for you. It sounds like you have something <laughs> good going and you like your teammates. Yeah. I heard that the, a lot of the reason they started OAC was to kind of get a lot of feedback from pro athletes. Actually, when I was mm. in Boulder last year, I was staying with Drew and some of those guys and I was out running and I saw Carlos and I can't remember like OAC, it wasn't officially announced. I think they were announcing it like the week after. Right. And yeah, like, we had a, it was a, it was a worst kept secret in running because everyone yeah, knew about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we were all, running around the gear, training together. Like, yeah, was I was like, why is everybody wearing all this on gear? <laughs> um, anyways, I, I, yeah, I mean, long story short, I interviewed it on for like literally four months for a job here in Atlanta. Shout out to Andrew Weeding for helping me out for that. And Carlos really kind of spurred that for me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that crazy interview process later. But, um, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm happy for you, and that that's great. No, thank you. Literally everywhere, and um, it seems like in COVID, they yeah. literally all they've done is gone out. Yeah, that's the one thing. We like they've they've really they picked the right time because I think personally, if COVID didn't happen and everything went through, say I won a couple NC titles or Joe won a couple NC titles, we wouldn't be together. We'd be separate. Right. Joe would get a big contract with someone else. I get big like it just. Yeah. They were able to kind of get really big contracts for four guys, four girls. And to snatch the whole bucket up because they knew it would pay off in the long run through COVID, and it has. Really right, and that, that, that's a pretty common. I, I feel like you know, like that's a, one of the best business moves in general. Mm. And you kind of and you kind of see that whenever like there's a, a recession hits, that's when stuff gets mixed up. So you know, I, I I know me and Zane were just like you know talking about like oh what if we did a group what if we did a group whatever. Um, but and then like from like if we were to pitch that we would say like there is no better time to start a group than right now yeah. because mm-hmm. Nike's not signing Adidas isn't signing like all no. these powerhouses yeah. aren't signing so you know you can get studs like Oliver Horror yeah <laughs> and, and they're definitely that's the thing they're not signing for the amount that the athlete is probably valued compared to on so like if I was trying to compete with Nike they probably wouldn't do a really good job for someone that's you know they can they can match them or overprice them because they're such a bigger company but on was able to overstep there and say hey like we want you guys because we can build something here and i think that's why it's just kind of trajectory yeah, especially with the, with the brand contracts are structured really crazily yeah where yeah it's it's it it's really great if you win the olympic trials but other than that it may not be so great yeah yeah um, all win the olympics yeah all win the all olympics. olympics yes yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like every said i mean we we chatted about like why not have two groups in Atlanta? Like it's called, yeah. they call it, I mean, it's I, compared to Boulder, obviously it's nothing, but they call it running city USA. They did it for the Olympic trials. Like why not yeah. have competing things here? And I mean, I reached out to somebody. Yeah. It just brings out the culture of it. And I think it's, it's starting to have multiple groups and yeah, different sure. things going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I had a, a good connection with somebody who's on the board at a lot of uh, pro um, groups and he gave me a lot of good advice. So I mean, I don't know, it's expensive and, you know, sometimes it's hard to kind of see the return on investment for something like that. Um, but I think it's great. Anyways, yeah. um, I could talk about that for a long time. Uh, were, were you there that night? Was that? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it, the, the reason I knew this, <laughs> this <laughs> night happened is, is Zane was having, you know, the, you know, he's out with pizza and beer with his friends, you know, 
you know, shooting the shit and I get a text. When does your contract end? Well, it's interesting at the time, a lot of people's contracts in this area were ending, right? We're as ending, yeah. I had reached out to this guy who was on the board for all these things. So yeah. That's um, yeah, that's funny. That I don't remember saying that. Text. No, <laughs> in the I think it was like eleven or something, like yeah. on a Friday night. What is your contract? And I was like, <laughs> I know exactly what is happening right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, like we've talked about on all the podcasts, I live here. In, we live here in Atlanta, but Avery's my neighbor, and then we have a four hundred one miler who's also our neighbor, and then we have a one forty eight guy who lives right down the street, and now his neighbor is a one forty eight guy whose wife is probably going to win the Olympic games in the triple jump. Katora orgy um, oh so, yeah yeah so i mean we have like a pretty solid like <laughs> got a little, little group there yeah yeah I'm just just missing out on a few hundred thousand dollars yeah <laughs> <laughs> just a couple hundred thousand working yeah. networking get your networking going and that's right we do own houses yeah. and we have the equity some some of yeah, us there you go I like that word yeah um okay this one you're not i mean if you get this it's just because there's no way you get it. Just there's it. no way you get it, but yeah, okay, you, okay. it'd be okay. funny. Um, and then we're not going to talk about this at all. I just thought it was funny. Um, it says, uh, this person was an English art dealer described as arguably the most influential, influential dealer in the Islamic art world. He was known for bringing Islamic art back into prominence. Over the years, he sold over $1 billion in art to private dealers and museums alike. Also... Uh, Princess Diana had an affair with this guy. Do you know who this is? Yeah, it's me. It's Oliver Horn. <laughs> I'm so glad you know that. <laughs> so what happened, so the way I found that out is uh, I had a couple of like talks in Australia, and my mom teaches at an all girls school. Okay. And um, I like she teaches kind of sports, sports science and stuff like that. So I came in and like gave an example of like my kind of periodization of training and recovery devices and stuff. Anyway, all these girls are looking me up on uh, on Google, <laughs> and what comes up is Oliver Hall, Princess Diana's lover. It was hilarious, and they showed you my got mom that a million times. Yeah, um, no, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it, it, I think one of the when I won um, NCAA's, you can like you're on a stru- structure with Wikipedia where they have like your name, and I clicked on it, and it went to Oliver Hall, the uh, Diana oh, lover. Really? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty way. funny. <laughs> I thought if he didn't keep it like that because he actually passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, if he didn't keep it like that, if I made the Olympic Games, then he just said Olympian as well. So we can, like, keep, honoring his, keep honoring his legacy. That's great. Yeah, when yeah. I saw that, I was like, this is too good not to talk about. Like, <laughs> it was just like this dude. Looks it's pretty like, funny. Crazy my name's guy. not like very, my name isn't very uh, like normal. Like it's not a normal sure. name. So you right. wouldn't, you would think that like, oh, if, if someone is, you know, a very good runner or someone like, with that unusual name, usually they have their own profile. So that's why I thought it was so funny that that guy's got the exact same name as me, no relation, and he's Princess Diana's lover. So well. yeah, I also I learned about I was a history major in college, and every question I usually ask generally is I find out some weird history stuff, and I think it's interesting. I didn't know he was Princess Diana's lover until I like really delved into his life. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was like, this guy seems insane. Like how he was just like a normal dude, and all of a sudden he's just like. Oh, yeah, he just sold like two billion dollars in private. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Anyways, well, I'm glad you knew that. I kind of had yeah. a feeling you may know that, but like, if somebody else, I'm not sure. Coburn, yeah, Honestly, after you said that, like, some girls were stalking you and sending you that, it adds up. It adds up. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> one thing about girls, you know, I'm on TikTok a lot, you know, and, and the TikTok algorithm thinks I'm a girl, so they they send me like funny, like relatable girl memes. Yeah. And the uh, one, of the most recent one, um, it, I, I forget the actual like punchline and everything. But it was talking about um, like, oh, like, like not me finding this boy looking at his like LinkedIn, Instagram tagged photos like that. The girls do their deep, their digging. They yeah, do their, if they care enough. They get, well. They still think you're a girl on TikTok. You have like a hundred thousand followers. I haven't figured it well, out Well, no, yet. it's the algorithm. Oh. It's like, I like, I, I like stuff as if I was a girl. <laughs> I got a girl's brain. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually, that's great. Well, is it great, Zane? That is great. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm glad that you're, <laughs> that you're into that. That TikTok thinks you're a girl. Next question. Okay, you can. I wrote the other one. You can I, 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 I. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Dude, my cats are losing it in the background. By yeah. the way, the clock is ticking. All right. <laughs> Last question. Ollie, have you gotten all of them right so far? He has. He. He Guys, may be the only you, person. Man. Usually, everybody wow. gets one wrong. Jesus. This has been um kind of an experiment in seeing how smart distance runners are and you have he's really blown i'd me say away. you are probably i don't even think this one's that hard based on your vocabulary i'm smarter than carlos that's all that matters that's all that matters that's all that matters we didn't have that's this all that matters i need to hold that over <laughs> we didn't have this format at the time we can bring uh, it back yeah format. we'll put him in yeah there. yeah put him in the format hot seat all right last question what NCAA team has the fastest top five 1500 meter slash mile average in history? Ooh. You know it. That's a really hard uh, question. I no, would no, say it's not. It's the it's very it's not. You know it. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, it's Oregon. It's Oregon. Here's no. what I here's <laughs> what I have to say. Here's what I have to say about I was thinking, I was thinking, um, oh. There's another school that's kind of low key, like fast. Michigan, Michigan and stuff, Villanova, like have had really good mile yeah, like yeah, yeah. things. Villanova has had a lot of yeah. sub four miles. Yeah. I think this yeah. means just in one team. I will say, I was watching uh, some YouTube before this, and I mean, it was like a joke of a, a thing, but he says, just be confident in your last throw. It's a good mythical morning. It's a kind of a funny. <laughs> Wait, thing. what? They're like, killer instinct. If just say what you're going to say. You were like, is it Helion? No, it's not Helion. Just go with it. Just, just go with it. Yeah. I already you got the killer instinct. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. everything right. You have confidence in your abilities. So why I bring this up is, you know, we had, we had Cooper Tiron name drop Cooper Tiron um, around the 50th episode. Yeah, that's right. 51st, something like that. 50, 50. And, but what we talked about, we were like, yo, like, what's the deal? Like how, how are you guys so successful? And he's, he stay credited to his team culture. Cause a lot of the times with groups, mm. as you said, you know, tracks in individual sport, a lot of the times the culture can be just like, you know, like, like it, it doesn't feel like when you're, when you're doing a workout with somebody that you're both getting better. It feels like that like you're just getting better. And he just feels like mm. he's getting better. Um, and I kind of heard you on another podcast. Um, kind of say you did. I don't know. I'm Killer stressed. instinct. I'm, 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 I've got to play it cool, Zane. That's gotta, you should have seen the DMs I was sending this guy. <laughs> I wasn't playing it cool. Pretended <laughs> to be a blonde, fast track. I'm back. terrible with technology, so that's why I like the DMs. Because I, I had general and primary. <laughs> and for some reason, you went in general. Bad. So then every time I get a, a message, it doesn't come up. So I have to actually go into general to get your messages. I'm like, because I remember you sending me a message about like, let's get it organized. And then you never responded. And I was like, oh, and then I look back and then you actually sent me a message no, 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 He sent me a message days ago, but because it didn't come up, I was like, you didn't respond, uh, but you did respond. 
So yeah, if there's no yeah. way I can shift you back, so I just every time I just gotta keep checking back and forth. Yeah, now. I, I, I'm better technology wise now. I figured that, was, that, but also part of me was like, he hates me. Um, <laughs> yeah. No man, I was um, like, either either I was like busy doing stuff, or I was ignoring my phone, or I literally can't find your message because it was lost in the general one. <laughs> That's fine. Well. So kind of the question is, you know, team culture, I heard you in another podcast, you were talking about how, you know, Dathan and, you know, all the members mm. kind of bring you guys together. And it seems like you're pushing each other a lot. Um, yeah. Kind of like, how is it? How did, how did that, how did that happen on this team? And kind of like, um, why is it working so well? The, the similar to, I feel like how Oregon is killing it. Yeah. And I think Kubatiz definitely hit something on the head that I think NAU too um, is brilliant with this is, is the team culture. And, the one thing is that you, regardless if you're in college or you're pro athlete, like running is a lifestyle. It's literally a lifestyle. Sure. It's, it's, it's a big integral part of your life. And if you're not around the sort of people that are going to support you and be a part of your journey individually as well as a group, then you're going to have issues down the road. And I think that's one Dathan thing like prides himself on. That's one of the key elements to why he set up a group and why he's picked these certain individuals. Like a lot of people have always looked at our group, a lot of people want to join our group, like big, big names. And Dathan was like, we'd love to have them, but we don't want them to just come here wanting a contract. We want them to be a part of the team. We want them to integrate well. And, you know, that's one thing I I'm I love about Dathan is that he he cares about the people already on the team. He's not looking for the next best thing. And that's one thing I love about the guys team is that we all have a different part and different personality. Um, you know, Joe helps me out with a lot of those longer boring mundane harder workouts rep by rep you know he's a machine he just gets after it and then i helped joe with a lot of speed work um a lot of that speed endurance that he's not even used to they didn't really get in colorado um and we have a great relationship with that with our training carlos is the same carlos comes from a very speed-based program in arizona you know alawi luang training and he's getting used to that strength from joe and he's getting used to that speed endurance from me and geordie's you know doing the same thing mixing all together geordie's very similar to me in that sense but geordie's very good at cross training drills you know, we have that good kind of mentality and it's about helping each other be better. Like I, I think for me, I was so excited. I had a bad race in LA in the 5k. I just kind of dropped the, like I just died. I just couldn't hand, handle the last two laps um, of the race. Everything else was perfect until I lost the laps, but I was so excited for Joe and I know how hard he's worked. And I feel like a piece of me um, went into that for him, and and for sure. I can say the same for the for the three thirty two in New York. He a piece of him, obviously, is part of that race too. And I think that's the one thing is that this group that has successes, we feel like it's also a part of our success, um, which makes us a better group. I think it makes us excited about racing, competing. Like Carlos had his first eight hundred in two years, and he won that race in Arizona. Like we were excited about that. That was a piece of us. Like I don't think I know many people that would set up an eight hundred time trial in Boulder on the roads have yeah. his wife bring out like beverages and, and chips and all this sort of stuff, have teammates down the whole, every hundred meters to cheer on a guy who has been dealing with niggles and try, try and get him back and getting him excited. And like, that doesn't really happen much. Um, usually you get into the routine schedule of the group and you go for it and you either sink or swim. And Nathan's really about kind of encouraging it. And I mean, that's one thing that I've had people close to me talk about is like, they, are excited and they're happy about what they see with what Jordy, uh, Jordy, sorry, Joe and I have done, but they also really, really value what they see of what Carlos and Jordy have been doing to build up to where they need to go, what Nathan's been doing with them. And that culture is so important. And the women's team is the same. I mean, Leah has, Leah, Leah Farland's been through the ringer 
as a pro athlete and yeah. she's had a lot of a lot of bad luck and Dathan kind of saved her um from kind of quitting and giving it up and she's just now just training like an absolute animal i think she's the the leader from michigan state that you know destroyed shelby Houlihan in that mile and ncaa yeah. she's back she's got the hunger and you know emily oren's a d2 athlete that's fantastic he's a steeple chaser litia another d2 athlete you know fantastic trainer and then alicia monster's just a beast in herself i think she's going to be something that's going to be she's going to be in the headlines for years to come for american distance running from 10k 5k upwards um I think Dathan's just picked people and created a culture like what Cooper T has talked about is that it's, you're happy to co- like, you're happy to go to work. You're happy to be around these people all the time. And that was the one big test is if you go on big uh, training camps or big trips like that, it's awesome because I remember after Arizona, we were literally in this small, like pretty, pretty decent sized house, but for two months, we we're in this house, all of us together, constantly in each other's faces. And then when we left, I remember Joe, myself, Jordy and Carlos, some of were saying, damn, I missed that. I missed like the, yeah. the gathering in the morning before the run. I missed the, yeah. um, the food and the talking, talking sh- smack to each other, making each other, paint each other out. Like that is when we knew we've got something good here and we need to make sure that it stays like that because um, su- success will brew from it. And Dathan knows that from his experience at NOP and experience at Brooks. Um, and that's why I found him as an incredible coach already. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, it really does sound like you guys got yeah. something yeah. special over and there. Yeah. For, yeah. From my experience so far, I'm jealous. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that because hopefully, you know, you know, on's, yeah. on's growing and growing and hopefully they expand. And, you know, like you said, you need groups in Atlanta. Yeah. You never know. OAC you could know. start to develop OAC Boulder, OAC Atlanta, OAC yeah. LA. Like, you never know what's going to happen in the next few years. But one thing that on's doing right now is they're creating, um something more in tone with what people ideally what people think about when they want to be part of a pro group um and i think perfecting that yeah perfecting that i think before anything else is what is the foundations of what grows into something like like btc and yeah, like yeah. That. I also think that they're marketing in terms of what they're doing with shoes and who they're marketing it to, mm. to be able to create enough money to have a professional team is really great yeah i think yeah yeah working with roger federer has been pretty cool yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure. having, having him develop shoes like that you know that, that's getting the brand out there for sure everyone loves roger so um i know people obviously start to pay attention to that and then all of a sudden they see the whole what on is about and what on develops yeah. so yeah. yeah it's awesome all right. no that's that, that's yeah I'm, I, I'm inspired by this this is great <laughs> that's it what i'm saying it was worth the wait it was worth the wait as was worth the wait. That's right. Worth the wait after all the worth DMs. Worth its weight in gold. Worth its weight. That's what I've been saying. I, and also, it's about timing. Wait, no, worth its weight in gold. Well, no, 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 no. I've just been saying that we need to talk about other things. What? Okay. All right. <laughs> all right I'll, I'll tell you what my contract is. <laughs> two hours. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And finally, we got a listener question. Again, the number is 646-780-9218. This one comes up from an 850 number. That's Tallahassee. That's my hometown. Tallahassee. Tallahassee my hometown. That's right. So this question is, I heard on a podcast with Jakob Ingebrigtsen that he doesn't think talent is real and that the only people who take talent into account are just not willing to put the work in to do what it takes to become good, I guess. Good. Great. To become great. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, that's a very interesting theory. I mean, 
Jakob has been training since he's been a little boy. I mean, he was getting lactate tests at like 12 to 13, uh, which is insane. insane. That is insane. Um, but then when you look at himself, his family, um, I think I, I do, I definitely agree with the hard work situation. You can't make it anywhere without working hard. Um, but with, with talent, I think talent, people think of talent as someone that I, I think there's a, there's a stereotype and a stigma with talent. And I talked to my dad about this quite a bit um, because he's always interested in it. Cause he's seen a lot of great Australians come through and people always think about talent as a way in which there's minimal, minimal training, minimal training as possible. And then they're just really good. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a misconception of talent. I think talent doesn't come in a form of just pedigree or style or mental mindset. I think it's a combination of everything, but I think, Talent can be trained. Um, but talent is also given to people that are, are fortunate enough to kind of have the instinct. And I think that's the one thing that I disagree with, Jakob, is that you can't um, inherently have instinct. I think a lot of people will go through um, work, work, work their hardest and you see them run so well, but they never, like they don't, they're just, just below the line. And I think that's the one thing that instinct can be trained, but it's very difficult to do it. I mean, I... There's three people in my life that I've met um, that have that instinct that I just was like, wow, this is, I can't deal with it. It's just it's something that's superhuman. And I think one of them is Dathan um, yeah. because of, well, just because I, I've been around him, I know what it looks like. Um, the number two um, is my brother who was a very, very good swimmer, um, stopped swimming, but he had that instinct of racing. And number three um, was actually Morgan McDonald. Now, yeah. I know this is going to get out and his head's going to explode, <laughs> with his ego but it's something that i grew up with i was when i was 10 years old i i remember watching morgan just just decimate fields and like obviously he was training he was working hard but i think you can't train that kind of aspect and what Jakob has been able to do is he's been able to kind of he's come off an instinct he's trained really hard and everything's all everything's clicked together and i feel like running is a puzzle and it's also a skill craft i think people underestimate how skill how much skill base it is to race in big races and especially tactical races. And I think um, that has to be fine tuned. That has to be trained. Um, you look at people like that come out of nowhere um, after two years and they run like crap, but they've been training very, very hard. I think that's just the talent that needs to be re rewound in re recrafted and the instinct needs to be there. And I think the one thing is um, I don't know whose quote it is, but Jaeger, Evan Jaeger had on his Twitter when I was a kid and I remember looking at it and he said, um, he said, hard work beats talent when talent went hard, work hard or something. It was something like that. That quote to me is the definition of like what it, what it takes to be successful. And like, I mean, not everyone's going to run, you know, 345 miles and, you know, sub 13 minutes, 5Ks. But if you can train every aspect and every jigsaw, you can get the most out of your experience. And I think that's the one thing that I was trying to reminisce back at Wisconsin is that if you take advantage of everything that you can, and enjoy every aspect of it you're teaching you're you're creating talent for yourself yeah. because that hard work will pay off and in the end of the line it always does and i've seen it happen multitude of times i've seen it with morgan i've seen it with my brother and i saw it with with dathan so um with that quote i would say Jakob has definitely got that right mindset but i do believe that talent exists in instinct i think you can't train instinct initially and initially he, you can't train it yeah. but I, you, can, you can definitely build it up like i think um for sure you can definitely build it up yeah but like, the initial instincts like those kenyans and africans like they have the instinct and um uh, you know they, 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 don't, they don't train that they obviously get better with it but a lot of people um 
won't have that or they miss, miss they're misguided by it and sure. i think that's one of the things that's pretty valuable yeah and, and i think one of the interesting of that the quotes coming from him um yeah is the i mean is the fact that like you know this is kind of his whole identity and he's put you know every yeah. single bit of his like soul like like for me after like having him talk about like uh you know i i was i also listened to this after uh i saw this question um and he was saying about how like throughout his whole life from the age of four you know if 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 there was a, something that that came up to him, like oh i have to go to my friend's birthday party but i'll eat too much cake that interfered my, interfere with my running he wouldn't do it he made every single decision mm. having to do with bettering himself as an athlete and so he's mm. literally done everything he could so if someone calling him talented i can see how that's just like an existential insult. yeah i mean yeah yeah he and himself is sort of an anomaly in that sense because as a four-year-old, five-year-old, even up to like who what, can survive 18. that? Exactly. Yeah. You have to be the type of person to just have Breathe that it. sort of mindset. He has the resilience. Oh, yeah. Drink the Coca-Cola yeah. tonight because I'm gonna run eight miles in the you know. Yeah. I mean it's that yeah. So that's the I one thing that I, I think mentally can damage you. I mean Yeah, I agree. I mean I before New York. Down the line, that's yeah, before New York I I had a burger and a beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I, mean, I to me, I thought I've done the hard work. I'm really sure. good mentally. Sure. I'm going to just sit here and not worry about anything because when I get to the line, I know what I got to do. Yeah. And I think that's a different mindset. I think he's grown up with the idea of like, for him, it's like, I got to maybe the negative intrinsic idea of him not having cake or not doing certain things, maybe missing out on birthdays and going to running has actually helped him. He, he's probably more, a better responder to it. Yeah. But a lot of people are different mindset wise. Sure. You know, he's definitely type A. So you can be successful I'll, with multi, a different. Also, yeah. I, I, I made up that birthday example, um, but that was just kind of like what he was kind of. Oh, but just yeah, an example yeah. in general of like like if he's just missing out on somebody. That thinks I, I don't want to like spread this and you know. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're you fine. I mean? But like, I mean, I didn't listen to it either. But I'm thinking of like a an example yeah. like yeah, yeah. that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you see it all. The, yeah, people who are like, well, I'm not gonna eat that chicken wing because I have to do a long run in the morning. I'm like, yeah, want it? Do just it. Eat it. It's not gonna do anything. Yeah. Unless you like eat really bad food, that's going to give you like there's a the, line. the runs. Obviously, there's there a line. There is a line, yeah. but yeah. at the same time, you you can't. But one chicken line. wing isn't going to do it. One chicken yeah. wing isn't going to cross it. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you're going to run 16 miles the next morning, you're going to burn enough calories to get rid yeah. of yeah. chicken wing pretty quick. Yeah. There's a line, and there's you know there's a line on both sides. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was actually a great podcast. I'm I'm happy. Thank it was you definitely so worth, it was the worth, worth the wait. Worth the wait. Again. Yeah. No. First and foremost, I apologize for the late responsing and the oh, thing. No, it's, it just, it's no big I am actually an old man when it comes to social media, so I, I, <laughs> I struggle with it. But uh, I really appreciate what you guys, what you're doing, and it's great for the sport. And uh, just thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, no, you're yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. Yes. I'll be for this. Yes, me too. Yeah. And I will say, you know, we have our, our listens are going up. We are on track to hit 80,000 listens this year. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. How many hours? Congratulations. That's a lot of hours, but I don't know. Yeah, that's what I care about. I, I care about the man hours because, like, because like I'm used to TikTok and like views don't. Who cares? Yeah, okay. Sure. I don't know how long people are listening to nothing. So they I, could listen to I, five seconds, but exactly that's that's yeah. what I want to know. You know, <laughs> but I'd assume because we, you know, as we've found out in research, you know, what is it? Eighty-five percent of people who listen to podcasts hold college degrees. I believe. What was it? I think it was. I think it was the average podcast listener makes three million dollars a year. Sure. I think well, I, well, <laughs> well, I am well that, below the average. That, uh, yeah, I was gonna say that's uh, that's pretty nice. 
pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should be, you should be getting donations if that if that's the case. I know that's yeah. <laughs> that is true. We've gone live on TikTok. We made a couple cents. We made a couple cents on yes. TikTok, but you there know, you go. You know. Anyways, we don't have a nut butter sponsor anymore. That one's gone. <laughs> we're, on, we're on to another one. Anyways, um, I do appreciate you coming yeah, on. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Stoke Performance Nut Butters. Um, uh, yeah, of course that was that was great. And uh, come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it yeah. so much Thanks. for listening. Ba boom. Yeah. Stop recording. <laughs>